The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. If any preacher says, well, you know, I really don't want to preach, well, then he's, he's lying. He'll tell another lie. So we should always have a message on our mind. And I had a message on my mind, and I think the Lord sort of stirred my, my thoughts in a different direction. So being at this late hour of the day, we'll go ahead and read some scripture from Revelation, the third chapter. Revelation, the third chapter. And I don't want to end the day on a downer, but I do want to preach what the Lord's put on my heart, and I believe it goes along with it a great deal of what we've heard here today. Uh, Revelation, the third chapter. Let's begin reading to, in verse 14. I want to speak about the word lukewarm. Lukewarm. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then... Because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. As we consider the subject of lukewarm this afternoon, I think it's on my mind because I, I view our culture, our nation, our society yes. in the lukewarm category. Yep. I do not believe that this is teaching different dispensations of time. I think that's a false uh, uh, teaching on this. I grew up believing some of that and hearing that kind of teaching, but I, this was a real church. And you know, probably when this was read, if you can imagine the first time that it was read, you know, they go to this church and read it, they go to that church and read it, and it was a first impression kind of reading, you know, they had to be excited, thinking, you know, the Lord sent us a message? <laughs> can, you, can you just imagine how that group of people wilted as he, as John the Apostle, who's laid his head on the side on the on the shoulder of Jesus, they just wilted. <laughs> they probably wanted to do as we say, just wanted to crawl under the pew. You ever been that way? I've had some people tell me, "Well, brother Tim, you've been reading my mail. You've been step, you know, you're stepping on my toes and want to crawl under the pew." You know, well, it's probably a good pl place for us to be from time to time, crawl yeah. under the pew, especially when we see the the very scathing words that Jesus gives to this church. Now, let me say. This is not a message exclusive for this church. I'm not here to preach a scathing message and everybody wilt. I don't want that at all. But I do think it's worth pointing out the condition that we in general are in so that we can see how the Lord may view us. Because I'm telling you, we, we can never expect revival. We cannot expect revival until we look at ourselves. And I think this called upon the church at Laodicea to look at itself. And I can say this, without exception in my own personal life, 
which is not much to talk about, but it's mine. It is mine. Every time that I have felt myself wanting to crawl under the pew, every time I have felt the conviction of being confronted with my sin and seeing where I was and what I was or was not doing, it has caused me to grow in grace. Now, I need a lot more growing for sure. But when I'm confronted, not with what you know, Brother David did, which he, he hadn't done anything, or not what my brother, Brother Chris, did, which he's done a lot now, but <laughs> that's another story for another day. I, I think Chris left so we can pick on him all afternoon. That's great. Uh, but I'm just kidding. He hadn't done. He's, he's as, as good as gold, as they say. But when we look to ourselves and we internalize, the Lord is talking to me. That's where revival comes from. Amen. That's where we come to the end of ourselves. That's a good place to be. So pray for me that we can handle this in a way that would honor God. But let's consider who he is writing to, Laodicea. This was one of the seven churches that he wrote to. There were not only seven churches. There were many other churches, uh, nameless churches, uh, probably numberless churches, dozens and dozens and little communities and little hamlets here and there and little villages and little towns. You, you mainly just read about the ones that were really in the bigger towns. And so, for example, there's Colossi, you know, which is a very well-known letter from the Word of God, but it's not mentioned among the seven churches. And so you have him writing, and by the way, Laodicea, really, from what I can tell, we don't have a letter to the Laodiceans, but you do have them mentioned here. And the area of Laodicea is an interesting area, and it's very pointed, it's very significant why the Lord says that you are lukewarm. He gave them things that they could relate to. And to the north of Laodicea was a little town called Heropolis. It's very likely that there was a church in that town too. And Heropolis, like a place in Arkansas that I've uh, passed through but never been to, Hot Springs, Arkansas, it, Heropolis was known for its hot springs where you could go and you could enjoy you know, the, the benefit of, of the hot springs. And then to the south was the, the little na- uh, town of uh, Kalashi, and it was known for very cold, pure well water, if you will. That's how we would understand it. Now, I live on, we live on a farm. We lived there most of my life except for the years of uh, uh, college and a few years following college. But we have well water, and it is so deep. It's probably 90 feet, 80 feet, 70 feet deep. And it's so cold. It's just a wonderful, refreshing thing. If you could get water directly from that well through a, a pump, and just it's just refreshing. There's nothing like that cold well water. That's the way it was at Kalashi. But the problem at Laodicea from just a, just a technical or a logistical standpoint is they didn't have a good water supply in Laodicea. And back in those days, they had these things formulated um, and, and formed. Engin- very smart engineers were able to come up with aqueducts that would carry the water for great distances. So it is believed historically that water was carried in probably from the north, which would have been the area of... Um, Heropolis, which had the hot springs or the mineral springs or whatever, uh, water would be carried in by aqueducts. And you can imagine if it was hot, by the time it was carried for several miles through an aqueduct, it would be lukewarm. And if you had cold water that you were able to pump in or bring in through the flow of an aqueduct, well, by the time it got there, it would be also lukewarm. And I don't know, you know, there's, there's not really anything that I like to drink that's lukewarm. I don't like lukewarm coffee, you know, because I don't, I don't want a cold Dr. Pepper to be hot. <laughs> you know, I like it like it's supposed to taste. You know, something that's with ice needs to be cold. I like it that way. And something that's supposed to be hot, you know, I want it that way. I see I got 
the attention of my, my fellows from Bethlehem. Thank goodness they didn't leave when I dismissed them. And they understand what I'm talking about. You want it hot if it's supposed to be hot. You want it cold if it's supposed to be cold. Lukewarm is just, it's just kind of somewhere in the middle. There's a reason why the Lord Jesus Christ, this is Him speaking, you understand? As we, as we say, this is, these are the red letters. And He speaks to them and He says, you're lukewarm. They could totally identify with that because practically everything they had, unless they heated it back up or somehow was able to get, which they couldn't get ice in those days, but somehow able to cool it off. Pretty much everything they had in that town was lukewarm. So they, they totally identified with what he's saying here, even though I'm, at this point probably they had already wilted and crawled under the pews, if you will. <laughs> but they totally identified. He said, you are lukewarm. So the image that's given here is not a very pleasant image. Because spewing you out, spewing you out, as he describes it, is, is basically someone vomiting, okay? Now, the last thing that I want on my resume, I don't know about you, the last thing I want on my uh, time here is to think that when the Lord thought of me, he wanted to vomit. <laughs> That's a sobering thought, is it not? But I look at myself often and I think, I want to vomit, <laughs> over myself. I want to throw up over myself. Thinking about my sin and what I've done and how I failed and how I continue to fail. Uh, I tell you, the Lord specializes in using failures. Did you know that? Yeah. Men that have come, and women, and children that have come to the end of themselves. You think about that little, I've thought about that little maid, that little slave girl that Brother Charles was preaching about. I've thought about her many times. We don't know her name, as he said, and think about the faith and the courage that it had that little no-name, that that little no-name girl who was a slave who had been poached, who had been taken from the edges of the boundaries of the, of the borders of Israel in raids by that particular country where Naaman was from. He was one of their top men. She had been poached from that country and taken as a slave. And there she is. I can just see this beautiful little girl with a bright countenance and, and hope in her heart, and not just hope in a bright countenance, but as a slave girl, one who was actually trying to help those that had taken her captive. Right. Now, if that's not faith that God has given a child of God being used, I don't know what it is. Amen. And not only that, take it one step further. You say, Brother Charles, what a beautiful picture of this little slave girl being no name. But there is someone who knew her name, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ because he referred back to that in the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, which best I can tell is the first doctrinal sermon that Jesus Christ preaches. And he refers back to that very incident in the days of whenever Elisha was the prophet and the little girl told him, encouraged him to go over there. He refers to that very incident. You think the day that Jesus preached that there in the synagogue in Luke, the fourth chapter, you think that little maid was on his mind? I guarantee you she was on his mind. Just a little nobody. And I think these folks at Laodicea thought they were something. You know, we're something. You know, we're prosperous. We've got everything we need. We don't have need of anything. And, you know, church was just sort of a checklist kind of thing. I've got my finances in line. I've got my properties in line. I've got my vehicles in line, my chariot back in those days. I've got this in line. I've got that in line. i got my family in line. You know, I've got my education in line. I've got everything just like I need it. And... Yeah, you know, I've got church in line. Everything's going good at church. We're not told that they had any, you know, fighting issues among the church. I like what a thing that Brother Sonny Piles would often say, you know, that 
you know, and you know, there's not much fighting going on in a graveyard, you know, because everybody's dead. <laughs> I used to like that quote. <laughs> but you understand, these folks think they've got it all together, and the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he says, I've got an issue with you. You know, about the only church that I see that he didn't have a real issue with was Philadelphia, the, which is synonymous with brotherly love. Very interesting that he didn't have an issue with them. They're, they're about the only one that he didn't have. He says, but I've got some thought, somewhat against you. But I think he had the most against this church at Laodicea. Because in their prosperity, they had become good for nothing. They said we have need of nothing. And child of grace, if you ever get to a point to where, where you say you have need of nothing, you have just fallen over into being good for nothing. Yeah. So I don't have any need for, of anything. I, I, I have need of nothing. Then you've just become good for nothing. He says, Because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I will just vomit you out. It's, or you could just see somebody taking a drink of something that tastes terrible and just... You know, I've done that a time or two when I got to laughing after I took a drink of something. <laughs> I would take a drink of water. Somebody would say something funny. I'd just have to turn away to keep from spewing it on someone. And Lord knows you don't want to spew anything on anybody these days. Everybody's afraid of any type of saliva or germ or anything. Aren't you glad we don't have glasses that show where germs are? Yeah. You'd go running through the woods and never stop. <laughs> germs are everywhere, right, Brother Neil? They're everywhere. I don't, don't give me germ glasses. I'd want to leave this world. And then I'd look down at myself. I'd want to leave myself. <laughs> you see, these people thought that they had need of nothing. The Lord says, you're making me sick. It makes me sick. He says, because thou art lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. What are they saying? You know, my question would have been, oh my goodness, what are we doing? Lord, tell us. Now, some people would say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> you know, that's sort of like the, uh, the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee is so proud of himself. He's not doing anything wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not doing anything wrong. So I, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm certainly not like that guy in the back, that old publican. You see? So... He says, because you say, I'm rich. They were going around talking amongst themselves. Just look at how well off we are. <laughs> oh, look at what we've got. And I'm increased with goods. How, how many goods do you have? How many houses do you have? How many lands do you have? How many cars do you have? How many video games do you have? How many iPhones do you have? How many iPads do you have? Let's <laughs> touch a little closer to home. Uh, you know, we've got all this stuff. We don't have need of anything. All oh, those poor people over there in the Ukraine or those poor people over there in Africa where we've been a time or two, you know, they don't have any, bless their hearts. And in so many different, in so many ways, those people over there are richer in spiritual things than we are here. Right. Look, I'm not saying, well, you've got to move to Africa to experience that. I'm saying you can experience it now. Yeah. Why would Jesus write to these people and say this to them unless he thought there was hope for them, you see? And I, I'm not pointing to any particular person. I've got the finger pointed back at myself. We get so caught up with our goods and our properties and our phones and our iPads and all the things that we have and all the stuff. And you can order something on Amazon just like that. And it comes in two days and it's free shipping. It's amazing. It's so tempting. And I often utilize it. It's amazing. It's a great blessing. But if that's all I think about, and I'll tell you, look at what, I ordered three packages on Amazon yesterday. They're going to be here in two days. Let's talk about it. 
Is that not any different than this? Hey, I've got all these houses. I've got all these lands. Oh, you know, the stock market, or, or my investments have gone sky high. This is great, isn't it? Jesus said, I, it's not that you can't have those things. It's not that you can't possess those things. But they don't need to be the focus. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not. They didn't realize. They were all decked out and they had the nice clothes. Nothing wrong with nice clothes. Nothing wrong with being decked out. But they did not realize that from a spiritual standpoint when the Lord looked at them, they were wretched looking and they were miserable and they were poor and they were blind and they were naked because those things would not bring the satisfaction that the Lord brings to us. So he says, I counsel thee. I counsel thee. This is interesting right here. I, you know, the God, God is the God of all possibilities. That's a fact from the Word of God. God doesn't just know how things are going to be, but He knows all the different possibilities that might be for your life. Now, when you figure that out, which you can't, then you've just figured out the sovereignty of God. These folks that go around saying, well, we got Him figured out. It's only going to be this way, and it'll never. There are some things that are only going to be one way. You know, when Christ came, the timing of Christ, you know, His return, there are things in the mind of God that are only going to be one way. But you can't read about David going to Keilah and asking God, you know, will Saul come and will the Keilah, folks from Keilah turn me over? God said, Saul will come and the folks from Keilah will turn you over. So what did David do? He left. He avoided the possibility. That's, that is just as plain and as simple as you could ever see. So the God of all possibilities... He fascinates me. Amen. <laughs> I, I, can, I can reach a dead end real quick thinking about, well, you know, it's only going to happen one way. <laughs> but the God of all possibilities is fascinating. It was possible that these folks right here would repent. Brother Neil sitting in the back, he and I labored for, what, three years, Brother Neil? In the little town where my office is. The Lord opened the door. We began to meet there on Sunday mornings. That was coming on the heels of the glorious revival and basically the, the new constitution of the church at Zion where Brother Chris is a pastor. And I had it in my mind, this is going to be the same way. <laughs> Surely it's going to work out the same way every time. It didn't quite work out that way, did it, Brother Neil? We went down there and we labored and we labored. We put a preacher down there every Sunday morning for about three years. And we met, met on Sunday night. Some of you, Brother Joe and others, came and rejoiced in that. We had great meetings. But the folks that asked us to do that stopped coming. They stopped. There were some very providential things that happened in leading up to that opportunity opening up. If you had some time, I could tell you about it if you're interested. But after a while, when the interest began to wane and there was only one or two folks coming on a regular basis from that area, you know, it became apparent. And whereas on one one circumstance, one possibility, we saw a church take off and begin to grow just unbelievably, especially for an old Baptist church. Over here we watched and we saw, it's time to shut this down. You know? It's time to shut this down. You see, it was possible that that could have continued if somebody had continued to walk in repentance. You see? The God of all possibilities, it will shake you up. 
It's possible for any church that believes the truth on this planet to experience revival. It's possible. That's right. That's right. If you got born again children of God, no matter where they are, I'm telling you, based on the authority of the Word of God, it is possible. I don't know all the factors that go into it. I just know it's possible. <laughs> and sometimes people respond. Sometimes they don't. Kind of like the parable of the sower, right? Sometimes people endure for a while, and sometimes they go away. I tell you, the Lord gave that parable of the sower to those apostles so they would know, and so you today could know and, and be comforted in knowing that God's got people everywhere, and God's people respond in different ways to the message of the gospel. Praise God for the good ground, right? Amen. <laughs> well, I'm happy to tell you here today, if you've ever wondered, all those categories are children of God, right, That's brother, right. buddy? They're all children of God. Right. I've been in every category myself. That's how I know. I've been in every single category at different times in my life, and I may yet get back in one or two of those categories. But the one that affects me the most is that third category, right. where the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches in that thorny ground choke the word. Have you ever been choked? You know, I learned very early on, I never choked my wife. That's not what I'm fixing to tell, so y'all don't. <laughs> but, you know, you'll play the game and you'll wrestle. Sometimes you put a pillow over somebody's face, you know, and just kind of hold them down, just lightly. I do that with my kids all the time. Well, you don't do that with my wife. <laughs> she goes ballistic. I mean, just for a second. You know, I learned that very early on. You know, we'd be kidding around, fooling around, you know. She, you don't put anything over her mouth. She can't take it. I mean, it is just, she, she has one of those freak out moments, you know. Have you ever been, I hope not, have you ever been strangled on something, maybe not by a person, but just something you were drinking or just lost your breath for a minute? How many people I've talked to that had COVID, they just can't get their breath back. They're they, they feel like they're strangling. I tell you, that's what the deceitfulness of riches do for us. And the, thing, the cares of this world and the things that consume us and the activities of this world, I'll never forget uh, and I've gone to Medlin now for sure, but I'll never forget after COVID was kind of easing up and things were kind of uh, lightening up, you know, we were kind of moving about a little bit more and all of this stuff, and I went to the ballpark one afternoon over in Tuscaloosa. I was going to see some church members who had some kids playing, and I mean, you would not have known that COVID was even in the mind of any person in that ballpark because there were thousands of people there playing soccer, playing baseball. Play There's nothing wrong with soccer. There's nothing wrong with baseball. But I mean, it was, I was just going, this is amazing. I should have come here before. I would have felt better. <laughs> you know, nobody's caring about covering their face. Nobody's caring about anything other than baseball and soccer. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You think about it. If the parents of this country, the children of God who are parents in this country, would put as much emphasis on the kingdom of God as they do on travel ball and soccer and football and basketball, you know, a little bit of it never hurt anybody. I like a little bit of it. <laughs> but think about all of the emphasis that chokes out the possibility of being at church on Sunday. It chokes out the possibility of studying the Word of God because I've got to get to practice. It chokes out all these things. You see, that's what happens. We, we get choked out from serving God because of the cares of this world. We all have fallen into that category. I've moved in and out. I'm ashamed to admit how many times I've moved in, moved in and out of the choke category, the thorny category, back and forth, back and forth. Lord, help me stay in the, in the good ground. So, well, how do we stay in the good ground? Let's continue to read in Revelation, the third chapter. He says in verse 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
I'm not going to go in telling a bunch of a room full of old Baptists what that doesn't mean. Because you know what it doesn't mean. If you don't, shame on you. <laughs> you know what that doesn't mean. And we spend a lot of time, and I have too, you know, talking about what it doesn't mean. But let me tell you what it does mean. Right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, I picture a church building or a house. could be a house. But, by the way, the churches in those days were meeting in people's homes. Right. But today I picture a church building. And it's like a room full of folks right here. And they've come together. I'm not talking about you. They've come together to worship the Lord. They've come together to talk about whatever it is they talk about. And there's Jesus on the outside saying, can I come in? Can I come in? Is anybody in there? That's a sad picture, isn't it? Yes. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, all those other denominations out there, they've got Jesus knocking on the door of their churches to get in. I tell you, it can, be, it, it can very well be us. Amen. Even with the truth, with believing in the truth of grace, it can be us. Amen. And Jesus is knocking on the door. Can you picture the Lord being on the outside of anything? It's not that he's not capable of getting in, but the Lord is very consistent with his own character. As a matter of fact, we've been speaking on some Wednesday nights about uh, messages from the minor prophets. One of those is Hosea. And the Lord says in Hosea, the fifth chapter, he basically says, I am going to my place until my people repent. <laughs> He's very consistent with his character. So he said, I'll go to my place. You know, I'm not going to treat you like a puppet and make you do something. See? He already had to impose his spirit and his, his will of salvation upon you. <laughs> but when it comes to discipleship, that's on you and me by the help of God. Amen. When it comes to the revival of churches, that's on you and me by the help of God. Amen. When it comes to studying the Word of God, that's on you with the help of God and His Spirit, you see? Amen. When it comes to visiting one another and fellowshipping with one another and putting emphasis on the kingdom of God, the Lord expects His people to do that. So He's knocking on the door. Do we let Him in? Notice, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I love this. God is so good. If any man. <laughs> he didn't say, if the whole church will just have a big old meeting and everybody have a come to Jesus moment. I mean, I've never seen that. If you, <laughs> I hope if you have, praise God. But I've seen a lot of individuals have come into Jesus moments. Mm -hmm. I've, had a, I've seen a lot of individuals. I myself have experienced that. He says, if any man. You know, we, we've told the story, and Brother Chris loves to tell it, you know, about Zion Church there. And there was one member left. You know, there, there was only one possibility of anybody answering the door there because there was only one member. <laughs> and praise God, that one member opened the door to the Lord, and look what happened there. But it can also be addressing those where there's multiple people there. He says, it's just one person that I'm looking for. It only takes one person. And the zeal of that one person, man, woman, or child can carry over into great revival for the church of God. And we're not just talking about numbers. You know, we're not just talking about physical numbers and building up numbers. That's not what it is. It's talking about the lives of people. It's talking about change in their lives. It's talking about looking to the Lord and not being choked out in this world that will choke you out. There's so much to do. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice... And open the door. Oh, this is beautiful. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Can you picture that one trembling lip and tear-filled eyes of the person at the church at Laodicea? I believe he was talking to that person. 
Everybody else might have been stamping their foot and saying, how dare he talk to us like that? <laughs> We're the most prosperous church around. We've got all these people and we've got all this stuff and this property. And look, I've got three chariots sitting out there. <laughs> how dare he talk? The Lord's not talking. That person can't hear. Yeah. You see, it's not that, doesn't mean they're not a child of God. But they can't hear because their stuff has choked them out from hearing. But there's that one old brother or old sister or middle-aged brother or middle-aged sister or that child or that teenager that's sitting back there and their lips starts trembling and they start getting tears in their eyes and they think he's talking to me. He's telling me what's wrong with my life. He's calling upon me and Jesus is standing outside and he wants me to open the door. And so I'll get up and do it, whatever I've got to do just to sup with Jesus. Amen. Oh, child of grace. He says, I counsel thee to buy me of gold tried in the fire. <laughs> you see, he's saying, put this stuff down. Put this stuff away. Get rid of some of that activity so you can focus on the activity that really matters. And this is the kicker. <laughs> he says, I guarantee you. He's not like the TV preacher that says, send me $5 and you'll get 10 back. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> He's not saying, send me this and I'll send you something back. He's saying, I guarantee you that if you'll, if you'll let me counsel you, and if you'll open that door and sup with me, I guarantee you, you'll suffer. I guarantee you. Church, you'll suffer. People of God, you'll suffer. People of God, when you stand up for the Lord and you begin to follow the Lord and you begin to do things that matter in the kingdom of God instead of in the world, then you're going to suffer. How is that for a sales pitch? <laughs> That's not a very good sales pitch. Come work for me. Come follow me. And I guarantee you, you know, you'll lose everything you got. <laughs> That's not a very good sales pitch. It's not going to work on YouTube. Not, it's not, not going to work as a TikTok. Not going to work on the Instagram. It's not going to work. You see, that's because it doesn't work in the world. It works in the spiritual heart of the child of God. Because when you think about suffering, what do you think about as a child of God, born by the Spirit of God? You think about your Savior hanging on that cross. You think about the greatest suffering that's ever occurred in the history of the world or ever will occur. And you see the Savior hanging there. He is the just one. He is one that did no wrong. He is one that has nothing within him that was filled with guile like we have. And he suffered for your sins. And he paid for them. And you say, where do I sign up? You hear me, child of grace? I counsel you to buy God, buy Jesus, gold, tried in the fire. Let something go. Let one thing go. Yeah. Prove Him. Try Him. Right. Give up one thing. Lay it down for His name's sake and see if you will not experience the Lord in a way that you have never experienced Him before. Oh, I know whereof I speak. Our folks back home are getting tired of hearing about it. But the older I get, the more I look back and the more possibilities I see in my life where I would have destroyed myself. I would have ruined myself following a calling to sing and to perform and do things like that. I would have destroyed my life. I don't believe I would have five children. I don't believe I would have my precious wife. I believe I would have succumbed to some temptation. I believe Satan had me right where he wanted me the whole time. 16 years old, Lord's knocking on the door. 18 years old, Lord's knocking on the door. It got a little fainter. I could barely hear it. But as time went by, minister of the gospel gets up in the stand. He starts preaching to me and telling me what I am and what kind of sinner I am. And I start hearing that knocking louder and louder until I can't ignore it. And I say, Lord, what would you have me to do? 
Get out of that mess that you're in. Go away from where you want to go and go to where I want you to go. I tell you what. I'm no example. I only have what I've been through. And you know what you've been through. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then I counsel you here today to buy of the Lord gold tried in the fire. Let that anger go. Let that frustration go. Let those things of the world go. Let one thing go and just try the Lord. And put that emphasis on the kingdom of God. I see that sinner answering the door. He says, I'm a wretched man. You know, that's what Jesus said. He said, you don't even know that you're wretched and blind and miserable and naked. That man or woman or child that comes and answers that door probably can't even look Jesus in the eye and says, I am a wretched man. Does that sound familiar? The publican stood in the back and beat upon his chest and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Does that sound familiar? The apostle Paul in the book of Romans, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? Thank goodness he answered that question. He said, I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who have delivered me from this mess that I'm in. You see? You want to do a great thing like Brother Charles was talking about? Don't go set up a YouTube channel. Don't go try to buy a YouTube channel. Don't go live out in the woods with your family and and bake pine straw and eat dirt in order to get a YouTube channel. There's people doing that. People that look like they ought to have better sense than that. Well, you're living out here with no power and nothing, but we still found a way to charge our phone. Don't get me started. (laughs) <laughs> your life does not consist on YouTube right. your life does not consist on Instagram or TikTok your life, now there may be some use for that and there may be some entertainment for that and there may be some communication qualities for that but your life consists not in those things it consists in the kingdom of God Amen. and the Lord's just knocking will you answer? If you hear him talking to you, if you hear if, it, if you identify with what he says in the Word of God, you're already his blood-bought child. Right. The question is, what are you going to lay down? What are you going to lay down for him? I tell you, child of grace, it's not just the key to revival of churches. It's the key to revival of your home, your family, and your life. And interestingly, it's also the key to revival in a nation. Amen. To return to our Lord and Savior, to let Him in the church, let Him in our home. May the Lord bless you. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.